Hello, listeners. For anyone visiting and living in central Tokyo, come visit the Nakameguro Tap Room from Baird Brewery. Opened in 2008, Nakameguro Tap Room is the first Tokyo area tap room from Baird Brewery. Their kitchen specializes in New Haven style a p e t s which I have told you is the best style of Neapolitan pizza. New Haven style places a high emphasis on high temperature baking, fresh seasonal toppings, and a crispy light crust. Combined with all the classic Japan based Baird beers on tap, enjoy all vintage beer hall feels at Nakameguro Tap Room. There's even a sofa area and a large TV screen great for sporting events. Only a two minute walk from Nakameguro Station, the tap room is open daily until 10 p.m. For more information, visit bairdbeer.com. Hey there. Welcome to Made in Japan Conversations with Meljo Catalan. This is my podcast about Japan, but it's not just your run of the mill, cool Japan podcast. I want to explore a side of Japan besides sushi and sumo. Anime and video games. I'm here to extrapolate and meditate with the local people that your travel guide probably doesn't touch on, people that are hungry for making it, and people that have made it. This podcast is my talks with them. Hey everyone, welcome back to all the new and repeating listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome.、Um, And this is kind of a different episode for me because it's my 50th episode of this podcast. And I, wow, it's first off, I just got to say that is amazing that I actually did 50 episodes of this podcast. And it's been what, almost two and a half years now. And it was something that I think is, I should kind of celebrate this achievement.、Um, but It's, a, it's definitely a landmark、uh, thing for me. So,、um, and on this episode, because it's my 50th, I, I wanted to make it something special. And, and I think the tone of this episode is going to be a little bit, you know, not my usual,、um, how do I say, happy go jolly Meljo tone.、Um, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicating this episode to one specific person. And、um, well, how do I start? When I first started this podcast, I, I purposely did not want to talk about or chat with a lot of English teachers,、uh, mainly because, well, that's my job. And, that's, and I think in Japan, there's a lot of people here that come to this country. And their main source of income is English teaching、um, before they move on to whether they move on to another career or、um, they end up just doing English teaching while they're just you know, living in Japan.、Um, so I figured, like, for me, interviewing another English teacher would be just kind of a waste.、Um, I think there's a lot of、um, resources out there. That help,、uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get information to just like, how do I get into Japan easily? And, and、uh, you know, English teaching is one of the quickest ways, quickest, or I guess the most、um, convenient, quote unquote, convenient way to come to this country, explore what it has,、uh, what this country offers, and,、um, you know, use English teaching as a side gig.、Um, but I'm going to be honest, a lot of the image and the stereotypes of English teaching in Japan is quite, how do I say, there's not a negative tone, but people just kind of like, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that come here,、uh, guess, you know, oh, English teaching is just like,、uh, you know, just like, that's just, just your income before, you know, while you're doing something else, what you really want to do in Japan.、Um, but that was not me. I actually really wanted to teach English.、Um, if you ever listen to my episodes, I, my plan was to get the hell out of the United States and go teach English somewhere、um, and travel the world, really.、Um, but, but Japan really was, you know, quickly became my home base. And so 
you know, I, I wasn't the type to just, uh, you know, I, I, I came here, I took it seriously. And, and of course, there are many, many co-teachers of mine who wanted to have fun. And, and that is perfectly fine. And, and they wanted to go and explore the country. That is perfectly fine. But I've always... One thing that really irked me was the knock or people knocking on the the profession of English teaching and and I, I honestly wanted to stay away from that in, in, in this podcast because I know there are a lot of different types of people coming to this country and having sharing their own stories and their own passion but but yeah so anyways I, I thought English teaching was not or I mean most of my guests were not going to be English teachers however this uh, this episode, episode 50, I am dedicating this episode to one of my greatest mentors, um, a person that is really super near and dear to my heart. Uh, his name is Douglas Forrester. Uh, I just called him Doug. And the title of this episode that I am going to appropriately name it uh, this episode 50 will be called Two Emails and the Best Three. You'll soon find out what I'm talking about. So, without further ado, here we go. I'm going to start by reading one email. And this was an email that Doug sent me on April 29th, 2015. And the subject of the email, it just says films with an exclamation point. So here we go. Mel, baby. I put my evening to good use last night, having a look at a couple of websites and getting the brain working on the films that I finally got my final list. What a sad life I must live. Anyways, here it is. 1940s, Casablanca, The Third Man, Bambi. 1950s, Tokyo Monogatari, High Noon, Sunset Boulevard. 1960s, Easy Rider, Lawrence of Arabia, 2001 Space Odyssey. 1970s, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Deliverance, Apocalypse Now. 1980s, Angel Heart, The Shining, Blade Runner. 1990s, Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, Magnolia. 2000s, Sin City, Gladiator, Mulholland Drive. 2010s, Grand Budapest Hotel, Inception, Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Get thinking about your list and let's have a, that post-work Tuesday beer and have a chat over it all. I have to add a couple of things. First, there is a certain similarity in some of these films, especially the 60s, 70s, and 80s. All the 60s are epic journey films. The 70s are all individuals on journeys, again, rebelling against the system. And the 80s are all kind of moody, dark, noirish mysteries. And even in the 90s and the 2000s, there are a lot of wise guys shooting people up. Chariots of Fire had to go because I've forgotten about Blade Runner. Also, very disappointed that I couldn't put American Beauty in the 90s. Likewise, the modern Romeo Juliet. Also, the 50s was full of crackers that I couldn't fit as well. Singing in the Rain, 12 Angry Men, Bridge on the River Kwai. Lots I couldn't fit in. But... There it is. I declare the 50s to be the best decade for films, closely followed by the 90s. The 2000s and 2010s have, frankly, been pretty awful, in my opinion. Although the three I got going for the 2000s, I'm, I'm happy with. Not so the 2010s. The only one would be Budapest Hotel. It's really worthy of a spot there, I think. But I had to choose three, so I did. Have a think on it. Doug. Now, as you can see, um, Doug and I, we shared one thing besides English teaching, and that is our love for film and movies. And 
if this email doesn't show you something, it shows the enthusiasm and the passion that this guy had for movies. Now, take that same enthusiasm. That's exactly how Doug was with English teaching. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think he just was the most amazing and just enthusiasm. Um, and I just really respected that with him, about him, actually. Um, so, but I, I can't really explain much more than that for now. But here's someone that know, knew Doug very well. He is someone that can probably best help me out and to explain who Doug really was. Uh, my name is Ben Bachwald. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of ESL Library, a subscription-based resource site for English teachers. And my relationship with uh, Doug, I met him, uh, we both arrived in Japan the same week uh, when we went to teach there in 1997. Um, we arrived the same week and we're living in the same apartment building. So we were sort of the first uh, two people uh, that we came to know in our lives. So yes, meet Ben wow. Buckwald. What was it took me like? weeks to find out where, you know, where Doug's first friends are. And finally, I was able to get in touch with him. Um, ben lives in Canada. And uh, as you can see, he is the CEO of a very successful um, ESL that is English as a second language resource um, website. And so him and his other friend, Jim, uh, I would consider Doug's two best friends in Japan. And so I was happy to have Ben on to help me out and, and show. And, and, and one of the first questions I asked Ben was, why was Doug such a great English teacher? Well, uh, a lot of things. Um, first, first of all, um, I when Doug came to Japan, I think we were both about 22, uh, maybe 23. Um, and it was 1997. It was, you know, pre, there was a tiny bit of internet then, but certainly none of us had it. We, we didn't have uh, cell phones. We didn't have, um, you know, we would walk down, uh, I just want to give some context to, to where Doug was at when he started teaching. Um, mm. We would walk down the street and use the pay phones to call home back to Canada or Scotland. Um, we didn't have computers or laptops or any form of internet while we were there. We didn't even have digital cameras. Uh, and he had a Walkman uh, with some cassette tape. So it was, it was, first of all, it was a very different time um, uh, technically, and it was a very different time even in terms of teaching. And when he arrived in Japan, um, he had no teaching experience to my knowledge. Um, from what I can remember, he had just come out of law school. Um, and I think he had traveled maybe a little bit before coming uh, to Japan, but he had done law school and had been interested in being a lawyer um, and uh, sort of took a, a, a change to come and travel and teach. But he came, he came here without really, or he came to Japan, I should say, without uh, really any teaching experience. And um, I think, you know, what's interesting is I saw Doug in the early days of him sort of struggling to, to figure out how to be a teacher to, you know, mm. five years later when I left Japan to him being an exceptional teacher. And it had certainly become his career and his passion. And I think what he wanted to do really with the rest of his life, uh, he just loved it so much. And so you ask, you know, what made him a great teacher? Well, there's a few things. Um, uh, one was that he was really dedicated, um, first and foremost, uh, to teaching a great class, every class. He really, you know, he really wanted to walk away from every class knowing and feeling like the students uh, who had um, participated in that class were coming away having learned something or that there was some success achieved in that class. And when it didn't happen, you know, if he taught a bad class, he'd come home very frustrated um, mm. and uh, very, you know, very upset that a class didn't go so well. He cared about mm -hmm. every class and he would reflect uh, at the end of every class as to what went right, and what went wrong. Uh, constantly, right from the right from the very day he started teaching there, um, and that allowed him to to perpetually improve at 
being an exceptional teacher. You know, he, he reflected on whether his delivery was right, whether he had spent enough time preparing, mm. whether he um, had uh, um, uh, engaged the students enough in pair work or that, uh, you know, whether he was able to explain certain grammar structures properly and clearly. And, at, at, you know, at the end of every class, he, he would go back and reflect on the ones he did poorly on and the ones he did great on you know, he'd come out of there with just so much energy and enthusiasm and want to just keep improving upon that. So he cared about being a great teacher and he cared deeply. The other thing that made him a great teacher was that he cared deeply about um, the student's outcome. You know, he really, mm. he wanted, he didn't just want to be a great teacher. He wanted to see um, all of his students really improve. And, um, you know, there was a lot of at that time, and I don't know what it's like now, but um, I presume it's probably similar. There's sort of a mix of people who really deeply care uh, about teaching yeah. a great class. And then there are those who are there um, uh, to have a little bit of fun. And there's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. that to come and travel and teach English and sort of see the world a little bit, but your heart is not in it as much. And um, you're, you're there more as an experience as opposed to being an exceptional teacher. And Doug was there right. for both. Yeah, Doug was there for both. He was, he was there to really take in Japan for all that it was. Um, and uh, simultaneously, he, he really wanted to, to do his best every single time. Even though I only knew Doug for a good solid two years, really, from 2013 to 2015, what Ben is saying is really, really true. Um, the man had a lot of passion with teaching and he was a damn good teacher. Well, I'll tell you a bit more about what I remember from Doug as being a teacher. And it, and it's, um, it's important to me now because I, I, you know, I, I left Japan in 2002. I started this company um, and it's mm. grown to be um, a, a, a fairly uh, decent size and successful uh, business, all based around language teaching and content um, and, um, and even some of the stuff that we build today, the content that we create is inspired by uh, conversations and debates and discussion that Doug and I had as roommates uh, when we would talk mm. about teaching. Um, but when we first arrived in Japan, so again, we arrived a week apart, he arrived a week after me. So I had been there for about a week. We arrived, I think, in January, mid-January of 97. And... Um, as I mentioned, you know, no, there was no internet. So it was harder to, to learn about everything before you got there. You know, you had to read books mm. and ask uh, uh, for stories from, uh, for stories from other people that had been there, but there was no connection online. So we were learning this stuff together. Um, and uh, we both came there on a, a work visa from Nova. Now for the listeners that don't know, um, Nova Corporation, uh, Nova Group, was one of the largest private English teaching companies in Japan, and it was one of the biggest since the late 90s. And in uh, 2007, Nova went bankrupt. Um, hence, that's where I come in and talk about, like, I, I mean, that's when I came into Japan around that time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, there is a mutual connection with Ben, Doug, and I. We were all in the Nova uh, group uh, now, uh, teaching uh, English. It, I, heard, I, I know that Nova went bankrupt a few years after uh, I left Japan. And then I heard that right. they have reopened uh, under that brand now. I don't know what they're, or, and I don't know if they're still, um, uh, what their operation is like now. But at the time, right. um, they were sort of the McDonald's of teaching. And we didn't know that when we got, when we, uh, you know, took our jobs there, we just saw that there was a company that was willing to hire us. Um, again, these are independent stories. Uh, he, he saw the same thing. I saw the same thing. We both applied for these jobs from different parts of the world. We both ended up getting jobs with Nova. Um, and um, they sponsored each of us to come over there. And um, we, 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 we had two very different takes on Nova. Uh, we both agreed that we we didn't like the concept of this business. Um, mm. the, the business was sort of fast food teaching, essentially uh, fast food teaching. They were the McDonald's yep. of teaching. And the way that it worked, as you know, um, 
students would buy these kind of memberships and they wouldn't have a particular class that they were a part of. They could just almost like the gym, uh, they could book <laughs> times to just arrive and you would arrive and they would just drop you into a class with two others, a maximum of three people in the class. And uh, up until like 10 minutes before you taught the class, you didn't know which students really you were going to be getting. You would just walk mm. into this room, you would look at a file and see something about what they've learned in the past. And you'd try to come up with a lesson sort of on the spot from this book textbook where you were supposed to pick and choose some lessons. And oftentimes you were just repeating the same lesson that they've already done a few times with other teachers. Um, and he and I both uh, despised this system uh, of mm. teaching and, and for myself, I couldn't take it. I, um, I left after two months. I quit Nova after two months and um, without really thinking, I just quit my job there. I didn't realize that after I quit, uh, they, they, uh, they called me up at the apartment and said, well, you've quit, but we own these apartments uh, or we have the lease on these apartments. So you have to move out of the apartment. And that, that, didn't, mm. <laughs> that hadn't registered with me yet. <laughs> <laughs> that I was suddenly in Japan at 22 years old, uh, not speaking the language and not knowing anything about um, how to find an apartment or find a job there. And uh, I went sort of into a panic mode. Doug took me in uh, and let me uh, sleep on his uh, floor uh, for a, a month or so until uh, I found a place. But my point was going to be that um, I left there because I, I couldn't stand the system uh, the way that they were uh, teaching and or the way that the system was set up or designed um, uh, for the students. Doug, on the other hand, ended up there for many years. Um, mm. But my point was going to be was that I quit after two months and he ended up there for many, many years and he hated mm. it just as much as I did. He hated the system that they had mm. for teaching. But rather than just quit uh, like I did, he embraced it and he looked for ways to make those classes great. Uh, as hard as it was to make these 45-minute on-the-spot sessions with no planning or preparation great, mm -hmm. he, he just worked and worked and worked at how can I do my best within the confines of, of this type of class that I'm in. And he ended up doing... a a really good job and he was one there were a few there were a handful of people that just like really loved teaching there and he did and it was because um he didn't care about the system he just cared about finding ways to make that system work and uh, mm. so so i really loved that about uh, about Doug. now when it comes to language teaching in japan and especially english language teaching um it is a really hard thing to try to change um, the system, what, what Ben is talking about, where you want to introduce new ideas of how to educate uh, students to, to you know, be more effective in language learning. And, and, and what he was basically pointing out was Doug was doing it the right way. Um, a lot of new teachers try to go against the rules and the system in, in the Japanese uh, culture and, and in the Japanese society. Um, uh, there's a lot of draconian rules, and people try to go, you know, go head head on head with that that system. But uh, what Doug did was go inside and go within the system, as he did with that private English company. And that's something that is, um, it's a very, very tactical skill that needs to be learned in order to improve the English language learning in here in Japan, uh, to go within the system, bend the rules inside and, 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 and work with it. And yeah, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of patience to do that. And this is where I started respecting, um, Doug as a teacher, um, but moving on, I wanted to know more about Doug as a person, uh, how he was with his friendships uh, outside of uh, teaching. First of all, when I uh, when I started teaching at that junior high, I, I, I had found an apartment by myself and Doug had um, uh, met Jim, who I believe uh, had been teaching at the same Nova school as him. Mm. Um, they became uh, close friends. 
And um, Jim ended up moving into an apartment with, with Doug uh, while they were still uh, living in, uh, or while they were still working uh, at Nova. And, you know, by, by the way, that's, I don't know what it's like today. I'm sure it's the same for people that are traveling uh, to go yeah. teach English there, but there's this constant quest for finding better accommodation uh, when you're there. <laughs> yeah. You're just always wanting to find, uh, you know, somebody to live with that you really enjoy living with and, and a rent that you can afford, but in a place that is decent um, and, uh, you know, free of cockroaches. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I lived in a couple of places where the, the cockroaches were so bad um, and we were sort of constantly, that was the, the one thing that we were looking for, a place that, <laughs> that didn't have cockroaches. Uh, the newer apartments <laughs> were fine, but the old ones that you just didn't know, would, you'd, you'd end up in those. And um, so Jim was living with Doug and um, uh, they were roommates and they became quite close uh, friends and, um, you know, had a really, really tight connection. Um, mm. And then Doug got this job with me at, um, at, uh, the school, um, where I was teaching Heiwa Gakuen, uh, it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I proposed this idea of, uh, this apartment on the beach, uh, one minute walk from the beach. Um, mm-hmm. Jim, I think, uh, was going to be a harder sell to move. He had just moved to this other apartment with Doug. And so the mm. deal we had to make, Doug said, you know, I think I can convince Jim to move again to this new apartment, but I think the deal we'll have to make with him is we have to give him the bigger, the bigger room. We'll have to offer him the bigger <laughs> room uh, if, uh, if he's going to move. So we did, we offered him the bigger room. Uh, he was happy to take it. And uh, suddenly the three of us, uh, it was, it was um, Doug and I working at the school. Jim remained at Nova teaching there. Um, and, but suddenly the three of us uh, formed this really tight relationship. Doug and Jim in particular had, had a really strong bond that kept growing and growing stronger. Mm. Uh, but all three of us really just uh, embraced this, uh, this new living arrangement and working together. And we had those. And so from that day forward, three best friends forming the trifecta, uh, the best three English teachers of the Kanagawa area in their time having a blast while sharing stories and ideas. And it was only fitting for me to uh, tell Ben about the email. Do you remember the email I first read you in the beginning of this episode? Well, I decided to share that email and that piece of paper of best three to Ben. I want to show you something right now. Um, This is a, a copy of a paper and if you i don't know if you know but this is doug's handwriting uh yeah and... i can t- i can totally tell the, doug's handwriting i've got that <laughs> all over a number of uh, lessons that we worked on together when we were teaching in the same school uh, but right. i can't i can't make out everything that's on this page here that you're showing me no problem it, what it says here is three best that's the title of the of the paper three best okay and we <laughs> went down every decade starting from the 1940s all the way to the 2010s. And we basically discussed our top three favorite films of each decade. And we would have nonstop conversations in between lessons and classes. We would have nonstop conversations about like our favorite movies. Like for example, in the forties, Doug, Doug's top three was Casablanca, third man and Bambi. And then I, I, I said, Casablanca, The Wizard of Oz, and The Great Dictator. So, and then we would just like go go back and forth, and and that was like in between our lessons. And actually, sometimes we'd go to the bar and 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 talk about that. So, I, I wonder, was he like that with you and your, oh, yeah, your circle yeah. of friends? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, <laughs> that's that's such a neat um, uh, piece of paper that you've just shown me there. That is so Doug. Um, and the, what's interesting is, first of all, I think you, you mentioned the third man. Um, I remember many conversations with him insisting that um, I didn't know anything about film until I've seen uh, the third man. And I hadn't seen it at that time. And um, finally, he got us to all watch it one night. We, uh, we rented a, a VHS uh, videotape um and uh we were able to get that or perhaps he had somebody send it to him uh maybe his family sent him the tape uh somehow but we got we we acquired it there in japan 
And uh, regrettably, he put it on after we had had, uh, there was a few of us there. We had had some dinner and then we had some uh, wine after. We probably had uh, about three or four bottles of wine between about four of us. And then he put it on at about one in the morning. Um, and I was just so tired uh, by that point, trying to stay awake to watch a movie uh, until three in the morning. Um, I was sort of right. dozing off and falling asleep. And I remember having to pretend the next day that I had uh, that I had seen parts of the the scenes and uh, and explain what I liked or didn't like about it. But he took he took all of those things, uh, film and music in particular, very seriously um, in terms of what is great and what is not. Um, and we used to have many, uh, many debates. Some of them even led to arguments, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> where we were uh, almost yelling at each other as to what was what was great and what wasn't. And uh, he would stand his ground every time. Um, so I, 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 remember, I remember those conversations very well. And uh, I love the fact that you just uh, showed me that piece of paper. I, I would I would love to get a copy of that at some point. I did I did yeah. just take a I did just take a screenshot as you were holding it up so I can zoom in on it properly later. I, by this point of our Zoom call, um, Ben and I were just you know sharing and trading stories of of Doug uh, with each other, and and he was just telling us how all the adventures and, and, and the experiences that he had in Japan with Doug and their other best friend, Jim. So I thought it was fitting that I'm going to end the Zoom call with my second email um, from Doug. Can you can you see this? Uh, I can now, yep. Uh, just give me one okay. sec, something's blocking part of it. Are you gonna read it out loud? I'm going to read it out loud right now. So, yeah, it's dated um, exactly at August 21st, 2015. And it basically just says, from Doug. Um, Mel! I, so, so I can't do his accent, so I'm just going to do my voice. <laughs> but, yeah, it says, uh, Mel, how are you, baby? It's OTC Doug here. I'm bad with 10 A's. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped ship on you a bit, but it's been a pretty strange month believe me. To cut short end of July, uh, starting acting and feeling very weird, got taken to the hospital, diagnosed with a large brain tumor in frontal lobe, left. Flew back to Scotland at the very end of July. Had an operation 10 days ago which removed 90% of said tumor and am now waiting to start chemo and radiotherapy for six weeks to try to get rid of the remainder of the tumor. It's all a bit grim, to be honest, as the tumor is basically the worst of four possible levels of malignancy. Though I haven't been telling people, uh, so keep it under your hat, please. There's no chance I'll be back in Japan till the end of this year at the earliest. And it may take more time than that, depending on how things go. So I'm basically having to quit all my contracts for now and just see what happens next. Not the best summer I've had. Though I do now, now have intimate knowledge of both CT and MRI machines and am learning lots about cancer treatment as well. Hope things are good with you. What have you been up to over the halls? Let me know how you are and keep in touch, you rascal. Big smooches, Doug. That email was the final email that Doug has... Um, Doug sent to me on September 6, 2016, uh, my dear mentor Doug Forrester passed away from complications of uh, brain cancer after uh, a year-long fighting, uh, you know, that disease, and actually next month uh, it's going to be his five-year uh, anniversary since he passed. And I'm still, man, it's been five years, but time has gone by so fast for me. And uh, I'm still shook, still really shook that he's gone. Um, I've only met the man for two years, and but those two years working with him, um, he, I learned a lot. I learned a lot than I've, more than I've learned from other teachers in Japan. Um, so... It was a big, big shock when I found out that he was struggling with this disease and um, 
it's it's to this day I'm I'm still like I'm still shocked by it um but damn you know his legacy is is still alive because just continuing my my chat with with Ben here um uh you know I just I just feel really just energized by by knowing that I have met someone someone great I've 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 worked with greatness and um, yeah I I just I just still am coping with this and I knew this was the right episode for you know honoring um, Doug and what he's meant. Uh, now I've got uh, tears in my eyes right now. I I. I- Keep this. I saved this, uh, Ben. Um, this email, and um, I'm always. I, I always. Whenever I feel down about teaching, or whenever um, I'm thinking about giving up English teaching, I go back to this email and I read it. And yes, there are days there I just cannot stop teary teary eyed when I look at this email. But um, every every this word. Email, in this... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that. To me, this is the email that makes me, um, how do I say, it's it's the email that keeps me going. Um, I've never had any other email like this before, but the, the, the value and the weight and of behind this email and the words of a mentor was, I mean... Um, a lot of people don't know about this email, and that's why I'm putting this, putting this on this uh, podcast uh, to, to show who I really am as a teacher and as a person living in Japan. You know, there's so much in this email that just speaks completely to Doug's character and, and who he was um, from so many different angles. Um, one, you know, starting with that um, <laughs> that intro, how are you, baby? Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, he, he, he'd often talk sort of like uh, uh, just for fun, like a uh, uh, maybe one of the Rat Pack might from from Hollywood in, in, in the fifties and sixties. Um, he loved to do that. He loved to just go into character uh, when whether yeah. it was in person or in email. Um, yeah, and then um, when he. You know, when he starts getting to um, his illness and his tumor, um, he speaks really openly about it and um, and explains it very clearly and lays it out um, as a teacher would. Um, so you really yeah. understand what's happening. Uh, yeah. But then at the same time, he goes into how interesting, you know, as sad as it is for him. And he's, he's yeah. letting you know it's sad. Uh, but he's also you know, right there telling us, uh, how he's, he's fascinated by the fact that he got yes. to learn about, you know, CT and MRI. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and, and he that, sees that, that as done. A, yeah, yeah. He sees yeah. that as a positive. He got to learn something that he didn't know before and he loved learning, uh, mm. uh right to the end. He just loved learning. And that was what he loved about Japan. He loved learning about Japan. He loved learning about people. Uh, and even when he had cancer, uh, and one of the worst kinds you can get, um, he, uh, he, loved, um, uh, he loved learning about cancer itself. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the ending, uh, 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 calling you a rascal, and then big <laughs> smooches. He would, he, would, <laughs> he would end that for any person, any person he cared about, you know? Uh, uh, just to let them know that uh, uh, he loved that person. So uh, I'm so glad you have that email, and uh, it's uh, I hope I hope you keep it with you all your life. Uh, so on that note, I, I want to continue on and 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 tell you listeners that actually there's a secret that Doug kept, and while he was still alive, he he, he kept the secret. Um, him and his other best friend, Jim, they co-wrote a novel called Tokyo Nights. And um, and I, I just thought it was an amazing feat that he was able to finish a novel, you know, just before he passed. Um, unfortunately, 
he wasn't able to see the novel published, but, you know, thankfully his family and friends uh, got to see the novel. Um, But um, here's Ben Moore with the creation of his first and last novel, Tokyo. Uh, We didn't keep in touch that much on social. Neither of us uh, were interested that much uh, in chatting that way. So our, our, our conversations were infrequent. And, um, but every once in a while we would both, one of us would pick up the phone and we would talk for an hour. Um, I'd call Mm -hmm. him from Canada on his cell phone. He'd call me, uh, from Japan, uh, to Canada and we would have a conversation. And I remember, uh, one time he told me that he's working on a novel, uh, with Jim and I didn't really believe it at that time. You know, um, it's a hard thing to do to write a novel. I I mean, I believed it, Mm -hmm. but I just, I, I didn't at the time didn't take it as seriously as um, uh, he probably already was taking it. You know, I didn't, he didn't go that deep into it. He didn't sell it that much to me. He just mentioned it sort of in passing. And, and and that was sort of what Doug did. He, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't uh, talk about himself that much. So he, he sort of, um, he, he let me know he was working on a novel, but he didn't go deep into it. And so I really had no idea how important this, thing was in his life um, and uh, how much time he was dedicating to it. And then when he got sick um, is when I started talking to him and Jim more often, um, trying Mm. to find out what was going on with Doug. And um, it was at that point, I think that um, both he and Jim told me in different conversations that they were quite far along on this novel and they were really hoping to uh, to get this, uh, uh, published, um, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, mm. but, um, it, it's so neat because they told me the story of how they worked on this. Um, and they did by that time they had phones, um, you know, uh, they had cell phones, obviously, uh, it was, this was much later. Um, uh, and, um, uh, they would write, uh, on the train, uh, going to work on their phones, so they would write a chapter, and they would each write different parts of the chapter, uh, or mm. uh, or they would write different chapters, and they would send the chapters to each other by phone. They would type them on their phones uh, on the on the train going to work on these tiny little phones, uh, and then they they'd get off the train when they got a signal, and they would send it to uh, to each other to read. And it was just completely collaborative, but it was also very asynchronous, right? So they were working mm-hmm. separately, uh, typing these chapters and sending them back and forth to each other. Um, and then I think they would get together and brainstorm and story map, uh, but then they'd go away and write things and they loved it. They just, um, they loved uh, helping the other person improve part of that chapter, um, mm-hmm. uh, ch- changing something or adding an idea. And they were just such great collaborative uh, collaborative partners uh, on this project. I, I, I really wish we could get in touch with Jim. He's a hard guy to find. He's a world traveler. I know, I know, <laughs> I know we've both been trying to, <laughs> to track him down for this interview. I hope that he 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 hears this at some point and that he uh, he gets in touch and there's a part B to this podcast so you can really hear because I can't do it justice uh, to explain right. how how magical that partnership was between the two of them to write this incredible book. A side note, however fortunate I was to make contact with uh, Doug's good friend, uh, Ben, here talking with me, um, I tried and Ben has tried to uh, get in contact with Jim Hickey, uh, Doug's co-author for the novel Tokyo Nights. If any of you listeners can find out or if you can, you know, send me an email or contact me through Instagram or Facebook, how I can get in touch with Jim Hickey, uh, the co-author of Tokyo Nights, uh, hit me up on my email, japanmadebepodcast at gmail.com or my Instagram or Facebook at Made in Japan podcast because I would have loved to have him on uh, to do like a second part for this episode. Yeah, my last question, Ben, was Doug really made for Japan? Do you think? Definitely, um, <laughs> more so than any person I I knew in Japan uh, that had come over uh, there. Um, he. <sighs> He embraced it and loved everything about it. Even the things that he didn't love about it, um, mm. he 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 dove deep into trying to understand it. 
And one of the reasons he got so great at the language, and he certainly, I think when I got to Japan, my Japanese was uh, better than his because I had studied just a little bit um, uh, mm -hmm. before coming there. And, um, and then uh, over the course of our time there, he quickly uh, raced past my level and then pretty much got to a level of, of fluency uh, by mm. the time he had left Japan. Um, but one of the reasons he was able to do that was just because he loved everything about Japan, even the things that he hated about Japan, he loved <laughs> about it. He, he loved to understand it. Um, and to me, you know, when I saw him there, the big difference between him and so many other travelers that were there or, or you know, foreigners that were there living there, um, was that uh, he wanted to know anything and everything about the culture. You know, he wanted yeah. to understand it. He didn't want to just be there for a year or two and then leave. He wanted to understand why things were the way they were in Japan, mm. for, for, for better or worse. And um, that made him made for Japan, you know. Um, and because he had that deep appreciation for um acquiring knowledge uh, about the country, it made him connect better with so many people there and um, mm. ha have these engaging conversations with people, with Japanese people. And they loved yeah. that about Japan. They loved his, I, I, they, they loved that about Doug. They loved his interest in Japan. They loved his interest uh, in them themselves. Uh, he, he was certainly a person cut out for Japan. And I was so heartbroken when I heard he had to go back uh, to Mm. Uh, to Scotland for um, uh, for his health and uh, to live out his 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 uh, final days there um, in Scotland. It was very sad to me to know that um, once he got to Scotland, that he wouldn't be able to get back. You know, um, I had some conversations uh, with him uh, when he had just arrived back in in Scotland, and he told me how hopeful he was to to get back to Japan. And um, mm. it was certainly heartbreaking that that trip that he took home uh, to go to the hospital there in Scotland uh, was his, his last time in Japan. And it was so sudden that he had to leave there. And I hope uh, every teacher in Japan and around the world uh, um, gets to learn a little bit about what it is to be such an inspired uh, teacher and that they uh, uh, will read his novel, Tokyo Nights. Um, and, uh, uh, and I hope uh, other teachers uh, get to experience something like you did from, from meeting other mentors like he was. Mm. Ben, seriously, man, thank you for the time. Um, I, I, didn't mean to uh, do this and get you all emotional in, on a Monday morning, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, hey, it was you know, uh, it's, really, really. Thank you. I uh, know it's my pleasure, and uh, what's interesting uh, is that uh, I would imagine uh, some type of uh, bond or friendship between you and I is going to form as a result of uh, uh, of Doug. So um, uh, I'm, mm. I'm glad to have met you, and I hope to hope to get to know you a little bit more uh, as well. For sure, man. My lines are open. <laughs> unlike right. Doug, I do. Unlike Doug, I do have social media. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so, we will um, keep. We will keep in touch. Thank you, Ben. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, enjoy the rest of those Tokyo Olympics. They're exciting to watch. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. All right. Okay. All the best. I want to say a huge huge thank you for ben buckled for uh connecting with me and and sharing his experiences and his his uh relationship with doug um, my my dearest mentor uh if you are interested um check out uh ben's uh company and if you are an english teacher or an esl teacher I, I highly recommend his website. Um, it's esllibrary.com. It, it's a website full of amazing quality material for English teaching, whatever level or um, 
you know, type of English teaching, ESL teaching. So, so yeah, Ben, thank you so much. Um, yes, you are listening to Made in Japan podcast, uh, Conversations with Meljo Catalan. Uh, this is a mostly a donation-based podcast. If you like what you heard on this episode, episode 50, uh, and other episodes, feel free to donate whatever you would like um, on my Ko-fi page. That's ko-fi.com slash Made in Japan podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash Made in Japan podcast. All the donations go straight towards the production and the beverages for my guests. Um, also, feel free to uh, leave a like or comment through all of uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Give me that five star rating or the zero star rating from Apple or um, yeah, whatever you want. Leave a like or comment and, and, and feel free to spread the word about what I do with my podcast. You can also find me on social media. I'm usually mostly on Instagram and Facebook at Made in Japan Podcast. And for questions, comments, and concerns, or if you would like to recommend a guest for my show, please email me at japanmaybepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm glad that you made it through this episode because this was something that I was waiting to put out. And I hope you liked it. So, yeah. Until next time, everyone. Be well. Stay safe. And peace out. Peace out.